0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Teeth and Tails. I'm your host, Dr. Shadi Manucheri, and today's episode is all about surviving dental foundation training with Dr. Ankar. In this episode, Ankar and I talk about our experiences with dental foundation training. Mine was about four years ago, and Ankar's just completed his and his last few months of dental foundation training were obviously heavily affected by the coronavirus pandemic, and we talk a little bit about that. We talk about the highs and the lows of dental foundation training and what we learned from our experiences, and if we were to go back, what kind of advice we would give to our younger selves. So I really hope you enjoy this episode, and let's get into it. Hi Uncle. thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm well, thank you. So nice to be on here. Um, I'm honoured actually. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> My pleasure. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please?
1: yes of course so my name's onkar as, as i feel like we know each other now it's been it's been ages i feel like i've known you but i've still not met you because of corona but um yeah i graduated from king's in summer 2019 um did my dft in essex near where i live and unfortunately that also got cut short because of corona so um had the whole telephone triage and did all of that as well and um currently doing my dct at the eastman in oral surgery and maxillofacial which i'm really enjoying at the moment so that's my kind of background quite quickly and apart from that i just did a levels um took a gap year and had the traditional route into dentistry so yeah
0: so you took a gap year. You're one of the lucky ones who took a year out. So I, I always wish yeah. I'd done a gap year. I went straight from school to uni to work. And I genuinely really, really wish I'd taken a gap year. What did you do on yeah. earth?
1: So I was actually, I my gap year was unplanned. I didn't get any offers for dentistry the first time round. Um, Obviously, with it being such a competitive degree, as we all know, like I don't really think I anticipated how competitive it would be and I think that's just that naivety of being like 17 you know. I, um, I had to resit a few exams in my gap year so chemistry and geography and I worked a few jobs and I visited my friends over at their universities. Um, I had zero offers and I missed my grades so it was like quite a testing time and I went through like quite highs and lows um, but you know at the end of the gap year like It really made me stronger and i was able to secure all the offers after the gap year even being a reset and i think like that just showed me like it doesn't matter what people say like you know everyone in sixth form and you know careers advisors were like you'll never get in because you're a gap year and a reset and you know it was just really demoralizing but i'm really happy that i took that gap year because i was very close to doing a random degree. Do
0: you know what I've spoken about this once before? But when I started dental school, in my group of friends at uni, there was five of us, and two of us got in on our first time round, and three of the girls had to retake, even though they were so clever. I think much more clever than we were, but they didn't get in first time round, and they had to uh, reapply the following year. And actually, when it came to our final year exams and first year, it was so yeah. funny because me and my friend who'd gotten in first time round, we had to reset our exams because we didn't do well, yeah. and they obviously like you know they exceeded with flying colors they did really really well in the exams so I think quite early on it gets proven to you that actually you will kind of stumble at some point as long as you know where you want to go you know what you're doing you know if you don't secure a place on your first round of applications that really really tests you to see whether you actually want to do this or not you know so I think that if anything it makes you a stronger applicant because you're sure you know that this is exactly what you want to do and you've been tested
1: yeah no completely agree like and i get a lot of people messaging me now as i'm sure you do on instagram and like even email like just random questions of, of i'm a gap year or you know i haven't got this grade or i'm currently an undergrad doing x course and i want to do postgrad and i just think go for it like no one can tell you no and until you don't try you'll never know so yeah i think that was the best thing i did was taking that year out and i agree with you completely like because i had that sort of fire in me to get in when it came to actual undergrad and starting my bds i was able to really work hard and have a good balance and i never touch wood like throughout that uni experience i never had to resit an exam because i had that experience with my a levels so i never wanted to go through that again so i was like i'm gonna make sure i work hard and it just pushed me a little bit harder and I'm, i'm glad i did it to be fair
0: on dental foundation training um for people who don't know what is dental foundation training
1: yeah so dental foundation training or dft or vt there's so many acronyms that everyone uses it's the compulsory well it's kind of compulsory it's the year that all dentists do after graduating from dental school in order to Get themselves an NHS performer number at the end of it. So, all that means is you finish one year of training and you can do NHS dentistry. Um, It's similar to how the doctors do their F1 year or like pharmacists do a pre reg year. It's basically our F1.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that brings us to my next question Is it compulsory? Well, technically, it's not compulsory, but very rarely do people not do it because I think even if you want to go into private dentistry further down the line, it's really, really good to give yourself that option of you know, doing yeah. dentistry. So it's one year and, you know, it's a year where you're released into the world, you know, into the real world yeah. of dentistry. You're in a dental practice, you're seeing your own patients, but you have the support of an educational supervisor or a trainer. So for people who don't know, you know, during your DFT year, you will be assigned to a practice. And in that practice, you will have an educational supervisor who is a you know, often experienced dentist who you can go to for help. And you will have your own list of patients, you will have your own nurse, but obviously, you know, you'll have longer appointments at the beginning. And then gradually towards the end of the year, you're supposed to be semi-independent to go yeah. into the world. So what was your experience with the application process? Because this is going to be very different for us. So King's and all the other universities, you know, um, you have your final year exams, you know, dental school, final year exams, you have it Mm. at the end of the year. With Queen Mary, so I obviously went to Queen Mary, and with with our curriculum at the time, it's changed since then, but with our curriculum at the time, our final year examinations were at the beginning of the following year. So our part fours essentially, which are fourth year final exams, we had to take them in, I think it was October of our final year, which is mm-hmm. very, very stressful because for those uh for those listeners that don't know, with dental foundation training, you have to do it's almost like an exam, isn't it? The recruitment process yeah. is like an exam. So you do the different yeah. components and you have to study for it. So with us, the way it worked out in our final year it was super stressful. And I still get, you know, I get stressed even thinking about it. So we had our final yeah. year exams, fourth year exams. Uh, during one week and then the following Monday we had the recruitment process for Dental Foundation training and then a few months after we had our final year exams so it was super stressful whereas with you guys you know from King's all the other universities you yeah. had all that time to prepare just for the recruitment process.
1: Yeah you know? so we're actually enemies now because King's in Bart so I shouldn't <laughs> even be on the podcast, no I'm joking. Um, yeah I. so it was really stressful actually. Um, we basically as as you've said it's the national recruitment process so what tends to happen is it might change this year with corona it was completely different but hopefully when things go back to normal it may resume what they did before and what it is is essentially you get two parts, so one part is a situational judgment exam which people are fully aware of and um, and it's a lot of information on Google and you know Oriel and all those online, um, which is essentially where you get given scenarios and you have to rank the options from most to least appropriate and they're also options that are like best of three and questions that are kind of like yeah like i've said best of three so that's one of the key components of rational recruitment and that can be quite tricky because there's never really a right or wrong answer you know it's quite hard and i found that quite difficult when i was doing my revision for foundation training exams um, the second part of foundation training, recruitment, or the exams, is the interview, which was a traditional sort of interview. So one of the stations is a communication station so about two weeks before they used to release four scenarios and they were like pre-released information so they would give you station a b c and d and you would get these in advance so you could prepare with your friends and prepare with your tutors and it was really good actually because it made you feel a little bit less nervous knowing you would get one of the four stations so you know it ranges from things like pericoronitis for to broken tooth to you know a mum a mum whose child has loads of decay and yeah it's pretty straightforward and then the community the station that often stresses a lot of us out is something called PML which is problem solving management and leadership and it's basically similar to like ethics and problem solving really like it says in the name so they'll give you an ethical scenario for example like a confidentiality breach or an infection control breach or something that you should be aware of how to manage And they'd ask you essentially what you would do and how you could improve on a situation. I saw what I I found. It was a lot of learning. Like it's actually a lot of information that you never think about. So I don't know how you found it, but I know I I revised a lot like and I had the time because like you said you had finals. We didn't have exams in, in fifth year in term one, we had exams in December, which was after recruitment. So we had time to revise for them. So yeah, that's, I found it really stressful, actually.
0: Yeah, do you know, you talking about PML is just bringing back the memories, because obviously, I remember the process, but the exact details, I've forgotten, I have selective amnesia, because it was so stressful. You know, it's just one of those things that you don't ever think you're prepared enough, because it's just yeah. so many things that they could ask you. I can't remember whether it was DFT or dental core training interviews. And I genuinely, yeah. there was one station, it was about, you know, quality management, you know, that station yeah, about yeah, audits yeah. and yeah. research and all of that. And I went in and they the question was, what's a okay, quality fine. improvement project, right? That's what they yeah. asked me. And I a had quote, no yeah. idea. I legit yeah. had no idea. So I sat there and I remember there was three guys on the panel. And I was like, I thought to myself for a little bit. And then I was like, um, it's improvement of quality and literally yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the guys <laughs> burst out laughing he was like okay do you want to expand on that so yeah. it's it's just one of those things like I'd read about you know what's audit what's research I'd done all yeah. of these things so yeah. I, it, it just brings back really stressful memories because like you can prepare but if they give you a random question that you have no idea about it's just one of those things that's going to throw you off. But I did well. I did well, and I got the choice I wanted, so it worked out in the end. So going back to DFT, you're fresh out of DFT and you just finished yours. Obviously, Corona, yeah. you know it wasn't the most Ugh. conventional no. training year was it wasn't. compared to no. what we had. So what was your experience with DFT? Do
1: you know what? like i I loved my DFT. I had a great time and I was someone who wasn't clinically very confident throughout uni. I think everyone said, the funny thing is, is like everyone seems to say this when you talk to them, Like, actually wasn't that clinically confident at uni. And then you think, you're like, thank God I'm not the only one. I think that needs to be emphasized. Like, unfortunately we've discussed this so many times before, but like Mm. a lot of young dentists, myself included, um, because I've just graduated last year, you follow people on Instagram that are brilliant and then you kind of have a skewed opinion of your own work because you're comparing yourself Mm. to people that have such great, great skills, but we often forget that they've been qualified for X amount of years. And I think that's one of the bad things about social media is that Mm. I love social media. I think I love Instagram. It's great, but it's also a double-edged sword. But going back to your question of my DFT experience, because I wasn't that confident at uni, I got quite confident in my fifth year because that's when I had the most clinical time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. four days a week, you're on the clinic. So one day, PEDS, one day, restorative, one day, oral surgery. And it was just great. That's when I realized that, you know what, I can do this. And I'm actually not that bad at it and i know it sounds silly to say bad at it but when you have friends who start dental school and from third year they're already doing amazing endos because they're just naturally gifted and you don't feel like you're at that level it's a bit disheartening but i'm glad that i you know fifth year was the time and then dft i just built on those skills i had a really good time i had a really supportive trainer um and i feel like i progressed at the right sort of pace. Um, I started on like five patients a day in September. And then we moved it upwards to about eight a day by the end of September. Then by October, I was on 10 to 11. And then by Christmas, wow. I was on 14, 15, And then by end of lockdown, I was on 20 a day. And I'm not even so seeing those good. many
0: patients now
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't it was just it was honestly like it just happened naturally because like it was a mix of like peds and checkups and emergencies but the beauty of DFT is that you can still see 20 a day but have that like two hour endo appointment because no one no one ever forces the DFT to do anything it's like okay the DFT's like got a big diary so let's give them two hours and it's fine you've not got the pressures of an associate that might have to get x amount of UDAs you're kind of like a free I like to say like a free agent like you know like in NFL Mm -hmm. and like NBA like a free agent you kind of do what you want Um, it's a bit of a weird way to compare it but you know you kind of do what you want but you still have all the support of the practice and that's why I love DFT I think it was just a great year
0: yeah. Do you know what, though? I think you had a good experience because I, my DFT experience was a bit different to yours. It was a bit yeah. bittersweet. I unfortunately yeah. clashed with my trainer. So right. it was a bit difficult. And my practice was in, I was on the North uh, East London scheme as well. So it was, right. in. Um, it was in East London. So where it was, it was a deprived area and yeah. none of the patients spoke English. So I was having yeah. to kind of learn dentistry and do it in patients who didn't speak Speak English, and my trainer was a bit tough easy. on me. It's never yeah. easy because you know you're taught this perfect thing of how you should communicate with patients, get consent, explain everything. And like you yeah. know, if patients don't speak normal English, like how are you going to explain risks of an extraction or an, uh, you know, root canal treatment? It was really really difficult, and my trainer was yeah. a bit hard on me. He was kind of like why are you so slow? And I was like, well, none of my patients speak English. What am I supposed to do? So, but by the end of it, I kind of, I kind of picked up and learned a way around it. And actually being in a deprived area meant that I was exposed to so many like root canal treatments, extractions, dentures. So I did so much that by the end of it, I was like, you know, I know how to, I, I now I'm, I'm in a good position to go and build on those, on those skill sets. So, Isn't it so annoying
1: that like the language that you're brought up with, you never get to use that work. Like my Punjabi, I never got to use in my area because it was in like Essex, Essex, where there's not many Punjabi patients. And then with you speaking like Farsi, like did you get yeah. to use it or not? You didn't get to use it, did you? Not
0: at all. But do but you know what though? Even I think when like, so I speak uh, Farsi fluently, I can read and write yeah. it. But I think medical language and medical jargon is completely different.
1: Oh, 100%, so now, Yeah. you know,
0: like now when I have, you know, patients who only speak Farsi and don't speak English I struggle because I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing like you know because especially in our culture it's like if you say something wrong it can be quite disrespectful so you want to be really careful and not say the wrong thing so I'm always always really really apprehensive when someone doesn't speak English and speaks Farsi because I don't want to say the wrong thing and like accidentally disrespect them you know again I
1: agree with you I I get scared of using the mother tongue at work because yeah, completely, you're not you're not getting the right sort of translations there. But um, yeah, no, it's a shame because a lot of people do have a tough DFT. I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, mm-hmm. My trainer never pushed me to do anything like that. I was un- like, there was obviously molar root canal that I struggled with initially, but like, I was like, look, can I just book you in with me to help me do the root mm-hmm. canal and surgical extractions, so things that i struggled with i got her to help me with but Mm -hmm. i think the main thing from dft that i learned was like you're not going to come out an amazing associate like it's not going to be like that you're going to build on those fundamental skills and what it gives you is the chance to like become good at for example clinical photography because you've got a two-hour appointment so you can Mm. start getting good at taking full mouth pictures and actually communicating with people and like you know taking a good impression or like doing a good crown prep because you actually have three hours like it's crazy to think you had three hour appointments (laughs) like looking back on it now I'm like that's mad Uh, it's so nice they give you that but like you said not everyone has that kind of DFT experience unfortunately yeah
0: your experience like with study days because i think being part of the london schemes we're quite lucky we get really really good study days and we're very privileged so for people who don't know during your dental foundation training year you'll be in practice four days a week and usually on fridays you will have a study day so you'll have some sort of you know you go to a hospital so i was very lucky i got to go back to my home turf i went back to queen queen mary and I had my study days there and it was so wonderful seeing everyone and it's it's a really nice day because you've worked throughout the day and then you see your, you know, the people who are in your scheme. So you get to socialize and you learn. So it's a really, really lovely arrangement, I think. What was your experience yeah. with that?
1: Yes, yeah, so this is where we're going to have differing viewpoints. With Essex, with my um, study days, they were really irregular. And that's what I really, yeah, it was quite unfortunate because when I was doing my DFT, there was a takeover and a switch from like the people at the top. So the training program mm-hmm. director, the TPDs and like all of the essentially the people that run the scheme, there was a big switch up. So because of the switch up, we had a lot of uh, admin changes, a lot of timetable changes. So I didn't have many study days. Um, I had a few in term one and the ones that I had were really good. So like the standard ones you tend to have are like endo, crown preps, composite and occlusion. That's like across the board. Everyone will have those ones and amalgam Mm. as well. So I had the kind of standard ones, and then I was actually meant to have the majority of mine in term two, and then lockdown. Right, so Corona happened. Mm. So because of because of Corona, I missed. We just didn't have study days. They all became virtual, which is fine because you can kind of do it from home in your PJs with a cup of coffee, and it's nice. But I miss, I like the practical element of dentistry and the social element, like you said, like seeing your friends and seeing your scheme. So it was a bit unfortunate. I got a lot out of them, but I didn't have way. I just didn't have enough.
0: Yeah, I know it's difficult. Well, so- something has to add up. So you had a good yeah. experience with your practice, not studying as yeah, long yeah. As the other way around. And I think it's really yeah. nice to also not only socialise but also talk to the people in your scheme and say, actually, do you know what? I'm struggling with this. How are you guys doing? Yeah. And it's so wonderful because to see that other people might be struggling with the same thing and you're giving yeah. each other tips and things. So it was really, really nice. one question is for people who don't know again so when you qualify from dental school and you've done Mm -hmm. all of your exams and you're in your dft year does that mean you're done with exams and interviews and all of that kind of stuff
1: um it can be if you want it to be so like um for example we we were just chatting about my mfds and whatever Mm -hmm. you can you can start doing these optional postgraduate exams so mjdf mfds you know postgraduate diplomas um and that is like on you right so if you want to do it you can do it and that's you kind of putting yourself forward for voluntary exams and interviews Mm. again if you want to do dental core training or any sort of speciality training or exams or Dent, again more interviews but if you're happy after dft and you're happy with what you're doing and you get a good practice job you can stop doing exams then that's it you're kind of done So it's kind of a 50-50 on what you want to do, really.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think with me, I was always, you know, I was in this wave of once I'd done DFT, I just did the interviews for dental core training. I didn't think much about it. And I did, uh, you know, luckily I got the the choice that I wanted. So I got guys and I did peds and restorative for a year. And then I was like, yeah, why not? Let's apply again for dental core training year two. And I did and I got MaxVac's. And oh, you know nice. so that that's it's very stressful I can't wait for you to go Jeez. through your training yeah oh <laughs> gosh yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs>
0: understand the stress um but yeah, so that meant that I was you know mjdf again it's one of those exams that you kind of essentially have to do if you want to do any kind of post postgraduate yeah. training or um, a box like now, that so did those. yeah exactly it's it's a little bit annoying but you kind of have to just get on with it and do it and it comes in two parts and it's it it does need studying you know it might you're still not yeah. at dental school so if you have to retake it the only thing you have to really think about is the cost because these exams are quite expensive for you to do Yeah, they which are. is again yeah. i don't think it's something people realize you know um so so yeah it can be the end of it I had loads of friends from uni who did their dental foundation training and then they went into practice and they're doing very very well now because you know they've been building that practice space and you know they're doing very well for themselves now um whereas I was like do you know what I want to do all this training whilst I can and then see whether I want to specialize or whether I want to go into practice So I think if I was to give advice I would say it's good to keep your options open and see Mm -hmm. how you go every step of the way because you you might get tired of it at some point.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And I think like with postgraduate exams, they only open up more doors for you. So if you're like keen to specialise or keen to become a clinical tutor or educational supervisor, there's things you should consider like MJDF, like a PG cert in education, like there's things that you should do. And with dentistry, like the learning never stops, like CPD cycles and all of these things we have to do. And um, just going back on like your DFT point as well, I forgot to say, like you in DFT you will learn to love things that you hated at uni if that makes sense because i hated pros i was not the biggest fan of dentures hated them i didn't understand them and the irony is that i actually really really fell in love with them during dft because weirdly enough so many of my patients needed dentures and it was like just I don't know because I had an upstairs surgery and the other VT had a downstairs surgery and he wasn't getting enough dentures and I was and I was like this makes no sense but fine so I had a weird weird a weird need for dentures in my DFT and then I just fell in love with them so like don't shut the doors that like I hate endo I don't want to do it or I hate dentures because yeah that's when you learn the most and I feel like even though I had a shortened year there's so much I learned from those like seven months or whatever it was, you know, and even telephone triage, like that taught me skills I didn't even know I needed. (laughs) Like
0: TikTok making skills. I've seen your video on TikTok triaging.
1: (laughs) Yes, like TikTok and how to take a good Instagram story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I 100% agree with you because I had the same exact experience with paediatric dentistry. So as an undergrad, I just didn't like paediatric dentistry, although I love children and I get on really well with them. I just didn't like pediatric dentistry because I think the outreach that we had for peds was a very old school clinic, and I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. You know, it was on Thursday mornings. You know, our tutor wasn't particularly enthusiastic, so I just didn't have a good experience. And then when I did my dental core training year in pediatrics at St. Thomas's, it was honestly like probably my number one favorite job so far that I've done. It just didn't feel like work. Because you yeah. we were seeing these kids, like you were, you know, you were joking and playing around, you were watching Frozen, like we would be on clinic and we pe- put pe- Peppa Pig on on like like the monitors yeah. for them to see. Like it was so much fun. And now when I see peas, like actually yesterday I had this eight-year-old girl who needed some teeth out for orthodontics, and she had like yeah. four of her baby teeth that were retained and I had to take them out. And she was so brave and we had such a good time, and we just took them out and she didn't even flinch. And I was like, These, these are the yeah. skills that you know I've I've learned through every experience that I've been through. So I 100% agree with you, I think, unless you're exposed to the right kind of environment with each specialty, you can't really knock it you can't really rule it out you
1: can't yeah you can't and I think your uni experience will like play a lot on that because certain departments get a bad rap peds being one of them always I just always Mm. peds and pros sometimes and special care like those three departments of dentistry get so much like I don't like it like I can't do it but until you get exposed to the actual right you know the right time and you actually have a good experience you'll never know and people shut off things straight away like because they just heard like it's difficult or it's not great mm. but never shut off like an avenue of dentistry because it sounds you know that it could be challenging you need to challenge yourself i feel like it's really important to make yourself you know you need to overcome those sorts of difficult patients and difficult scenarios otherwise you'll just never learn you'll just stagnate and you don't know you don't want to stagnate i don't think that's like the best thing to do because I'm glad I actually learned to to appreciate dentures and things that I was bad at uni because it just makes you better for the future. So yeah, that would be my advice.
0: Speaking of advice, this is one question I ask all of our guests and I want to ask you, but what is the One piece of advice you would give to your younger self?
1: I would probably say not to fixate on what people say about, you know, how I may not get in or how, you know, it's going to be a difficult journey or, you know, dentistry is not what it was like X amount of years ago. Um, Enjoy the experience and like know that every journey has its own outcome. And you will get there in the end. Like I wish I could just tell myself when I was like seventeen, like when I was not doing well in exams, like you're gonna make it, and you will be like, you know, loving your career, and you'll be doing a DCT post that you thought you would never even get because, you know, it's crazy to think you go through all of this, these teachers, and people telling you you're not gonna get in, and it really does impact you. Yeah. And it shouldn't, you know. The teachers should actually be there to encourage you and uplift you. So. I wish I could just tell myself, like, don't worry, Anx. you'll be fine. You'll get in and you'll love your career and you'll be like just loving work every morning. And that's not to say, like, I don't have days where I get up and I'm like, oh, gosh, like I've got a surgical eight this morning. Like, I, mm-hmm. I still have those times when I get a bit anxious about work, but you learn how to overcome those anxieties. And um, yeah, just go with the punches. And every journey has a great like a, an, the right outcome. That's what I would tell myself.
0: Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. I think there's been times where, you know, whether it's a job or whatever it may be, that at the time you think you really, really want it and you don't get it for some reason beyond your understanding. And actually, in my experience, only time will tell why that didn't happen. And there is a silver lining and everything and everything does. As mushy as it sounds, everything does really happen for a reason you know and and you might not necessarily know that reason at that time so just wait until you understand because there will be a time where it will be proven to you why that thing had to happen thank you so much Anka for joining me today it's we can go on because this is a very very you know personal thing of what we've been through and what we've learned from our journey i think we all have our own struggles and it's wonderful that we're talking about them and we're having these conversations so thank you so much for joining me
1: thanks for having me so much and after lockdown we can um get some pashmac together and some cotton candy (laughs) (laughs) sweet i know you like a sweet tooth in it so we've got some (laughs) pashmac and some haribo
0: haribo there we go (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed that episode and hopefully learned a few things about dental foundation training. Please, please learn from our mistakes if you are a dental student and due to graduate into dental foundation training. So try and make the most of this year if you can and don't make the mistakes that we did. As always, I would love to know what you thought of this episode. So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. There will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.
1: I would love to know what
0: you thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at DrShadiManoucheri. There will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode, and I can't wait to speak to you soon.